0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables.
1: hey her hoops that's fans welcome to another episode of her hoops that's unplugged as always you're here with megan gower and we just had WNBA all-star we're heading into the olympics so lots of exciting things happening in the women's basketball world and to talk about that i am joined today by calvin wetzel hey calvin how's it going
2: hey i'm good megan how are you doing
1: doing well, I feel like I should basically call you the co-host of this podcast at this point because you've been on at least like every other episode lately, but excited to have you here to talk about WNBA All-Star.
2: Yeah, I'm always glad to hop on. It's always a good time.
1: (laughs) So we are recording this like literally maybe 20 minutes after the All-Star game, so really just live reactions to what we just watched. I mean, I think general consensus on Twitter, but also I agree is just like probably one of the most fun all-star games in any recent memory maybe ever just in
2: just kind of WNBA history. Just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's, there's never this much defense, first off. I mean, it's, neither team got to 100. That almost never happens. Um, and it was, I mean, it was competitive. It was fun. It was tied for a lot of the fourth quarter. I think you know, part part of it is the, the whole format, obviously, with Team WNBA, you got that extra motivation playing against Team USA. I don't know if anyone felt like they should have been on the team or whatever, but um, I think, too, when you look at Team WNBA, most of them are about to get a month off, you know, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, and that's not necessarily usually the case in an all-star game in a I mean, most of the time in the Olympic year, there's not an all-star game and in a non-Olympic year, you know, you're, you're not getting that month off. So, like, why hold back? You know, they can they can rest for the next month. That's not usually the case. Like they could they could leave it out there a little bit. And it's not like we it's not like this was the finals. Like we saw that level of effort. But by all-star game standards, like there was some effort. That was pretty fun.
1: <laughs> yeah for sure I mean definitely a lot more effort than I think you usually see in an all-star game like you said a lot more defense than you've probably ever seen in an all-star game in like the history <laughs> of every sport um, but I mean that makes it fun right like I feel like everyone's complaints about like all-star game is like it's all about you know who's gonna make the game and then the actual game is just kind of all well, it's fun, but it's like there's no defense it's not competitive and this was certainly the opposite of that so a really fun basketball game to watch and a fun kind of last game for a month of WNBA action as we we head into the Olympics too. Yeah. Were
2: you, uh, were you surprised that team WNBA won?
1: A little bit. I feel like I figured it would be competitive and I think we'll get to this later, but this is honestly probably the toughest test that the USA basketball team is actually going to face kind of going into the Olympics. (laughs) But, um, I did expect that. I thought, you know, st- if you were matching it up on the, the starters, and I think we talked about this a little bit on like two weeks ago on the podcast, but like starters for starters, like I think it was very competitive. But I thought the depth of Team USA would just win out a little bit over the depth of Team WNBA. But obviously the opposite happened.
2: Yeah. You know, that's another point too. I think oftentimes, you know, it got so competitive that, um, they actually sort of let the, let the starters go a little bit. I think oftentimes, you know, it's never perfectly even, but in an all-star game, you kind of see the teams sort of divvy up the playing time more evenly, definitely more than you would in sort of a regular game. But, I mean, when you – I got the box score. I mean, uh, John Quell played 30 minutes. Sable played eight, you know. Uh, Brandon Jones played 11. Arike played 26. I mean, they – the starter – You know, they let the starters run for a little bit, which sort of canceled out maybe some of that depth advantage that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, definitely a a little different than a typical All-Star game when, you know, everyone kind of really gets out there. We did see quite a bit of the starters, and I mean, that just talks about how competitive this game was, I think, but... I think, you know, a lot of really solid performances from those starters. Ariki Agumbalali takes home MVP. I mean, 26 points, 10 of 18 shooting. Really, really strong night from her. A lot of fun to watch her. Kind of just, of course, a couple of those big-time shots in the fourth quarter that she's, you know, known for. But I thought John Cole Jones was also a fantastic. 18 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals. And she almost won three point contest, too. just narrowly missed that. So honestly John Cole Jones would have been my pick for MVP at this game just because she did so much. but I mean, I think it's a it's a really tight race between Google and her.
2: Yeah, I you know, I would have picked John Cole Jones too. I know you live in there in Connecticut, so <laughs> you might be biased. I'm not though. And uh yeah I I think it I mean it comes down to. Do you value scoring or do you value the all-around contribution? Uh, I mean, John Quill Jones obviously poured in 18 points as well, but really the all-around contribution um, just on, on every aspect of the floor, including defense, which is a con- an area where, like we said, pretty much no one ever contributes in the All-Star game, but she did. And so I I would have picked John Quill Jones too, I think, is my MVP. I, it's sort of split in hairs. I don't mind Enrique getting it, but I think we're on the same page on that one.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think they both are. Either one was fine by me, but yeah, I mean, it's an insane a game from John Paul Jones. Kind of, honestly, really similar to what she's been putting up all season long. Just kind of <laughs> building on that regular season MVP case. So she doesn't get this one, but she's still got a very good shot for the, for the big one.
2: Yeah, except this time against, you know, the highest competition you can possibly play versus the stat line she usually puts up against a... Regular WNBA team, and she still put up this crazy line against you know all stars, but an Olympic team, the best Olympic team. So, very impressive night,
1: yeah, for sure. So, yeah, team WNBA does win. It. I feel like we also have to talk about before we go on to team USA, like talk about Courtney Williams a little bit because first time all star. I feel like she's just like the type of player that just like I don't know, she's the personality for, like, an All-Star game, right? Like, they played that little segment of her mic'd up. I'm like, can we just, like, have more of this, please? But she really went off in that second half, too. So I feel like she was just thriving out there in her first All-Star game as well.
2: Yeah, Courtney Williams is, like, regardless of even if she, like, wasn't even good at basketball, just still let's put her in an All-Star game anyway just because she's so fun. Like, that definitely, the I agree with Ryan Rucco, you know, like, the most... Player that we were all looking forward to having mic'd up. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Courtney Williams fan, anyway, um, just on and off court. But so much fun, and she was seven for eight too. She almost made every single shot. So it was the swag, but it was the performance too. She was easily the best player off the bench for Team WNBA, um, probably the third best overall behind the two we already talked about. So real cool, real cool to see her go off tonight. For sure, for sure. So
1: yeah, Team WNBA gets the win. So yeah, Team USA comes out with a loss. Maybe a little bit concerning considering they're heading into the Olympics in just over a week. Probably less concerning than USA men's basketball two losses to Nigeria and Australia so far. Um, so I don't think we need to be nearly as concerned as we probably are about the best team right now. I mean, I think it's not great that they lost this game, but I also think that you know they're one practice in, and honestly this is probably the toughest test they're going to face. Like there's no other national team that they're going to play that has a full roster of WNBA All-Stars on it. There's not even a team that has a full roster of players that are in the WNBA. So I, I really don't think there's anything to be worried about really heading into the Olympics right now.
2: No. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but you know, n- number one, what we already talked about, like Team w- WNBA was is getting a month off. You know, they had nothing to nothing to save their energy for. That's not the case with Team USA. Um, number two, like you said, just this is the best competition competition they're going to face. But um, also, I just think, like, it's, it's sort of random sometimes. You know, like, if you play this game again, Courtney Williams isn't going to go seven for eight. Um, and... At the same time, like, you know, when you look across the across the box score, Asia Wilson, you know, she only made three field goals, uh, three for seven. Like, Tina Charles, one for four. I mean, I don't know. If you play this game again, some of the shots might, might go down differently on both sides. So I wouldn't really be worried at all either if I were Team USA. If you wanted to nitpick, you could maybe say, like, this team doesn't really have – I mean, Ariel Atkins is sort of the best – perimeter defender most of their guards are much more offensive oriented with Sue Bird and even when they get Dinah Tarasi back that they didn't have tonight um you know Jewel Lloyd and Skylar Diggins Smith right and and everyone else is just giant so they have a size advantage over everyone but on the perimeter I don't know that you might see someone do what Enrique did tonight to them just because they don't have that her under defender, maybe outside of Ariel Atkins. I don't know how much she's going to play. But this team's too good for that to matter. You know, like maybe they give up one really great individual performance to some star, um, but that's not going to be enough to carry the team for any of their opponents, you know, to actually beat them, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think also part of it tonight is Don Stadler's probably trying to figure out what this lineup looks like going into the Olympics, right? She's trying out different combinations, trying different things out on the floor because like we said they've only had like one practice together so you're definitely still figuring things out and there's probably you know a little bit more formal rotation as you head into some of the later rounds of the olympics not that they necessarily need it but I think you're testing out some different things seeing who plays well together on the court today and that probably I mean you see it somewhat in the minutes that there's a you know Brianna start playing 27 but other than that there's kind of a fairly even minutes distribution throughout this whole roster. So you're definitely just kind of figuring some things out here.
2: Yeah. And this was, this was a practice for them. Like they wanted to win obviously, but it was kind of a glorified practice for them because this isn't the ultimate, you know, goal. The, the goal is the gold medal, but for team WNBA, this was kind of it. It's not like they have anything else that they're trying to achieve. You know, this was, this was the motivation was to win this game tonight. So it wasn't a practice for them. It was a game. So I think you have that you know sort of difference on both sides as well. Um, but but to your point about mixing up the lineups, I mean it is it is wild how big this team is. I mean like the whole the whole game almost they had like felt like two centers and a four basically on the court. You know like Brianna Stewart was pretty much the three every time she was out there. Uh, Nafisa played a lot of the three. They had. Like Sylvia Fowles and Tina Charles just playing together. That's like, I mean, it, it may be your perimeter defense a little bit, but it's more than going to make up for it, especially when you get to some of the smaller teams in the Olympics in terms of rebounding and, um, you know, just play in the post. Um, like what team can really match up with Sylvia Fowles and Tina Charles on the court at the same time? I don't know if there's anyone.
1: Yeah, I feel like your your closest bet is Liz Kimpage in Australia, but there's still just Liz Kimpage to do that. And I guess you yes. do have Etsy Magnum there too, but still like <laughs> there's just there's just no one that can compete with that size. So I think you you do give up that perimeter defense because let's be honest, the size advantage inside is gonna be more than enough for them to get big wins pretty much every game in the Olympics. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're also they're not going to see John Cole Jones in the Olympics. They're not going to see Henrique Guglwal in the Olympics. So, they kind of saw some players tonight that are going to be tougher matchups, really, than a lot of players that they're going to see when they get to Tokyo.
2: Yeah, no doubt. It is a bummer, though, that they won't see... I would love to see John Cole Jones in the Olympics because she... How fun is she to watch, like, in the three-point contest and in the game tonight? It's, it's unreal how smooth she is at 6'6".
1: Yeah, exactly. Her she's just so versatile, like a six six center that can also like pass the ball the way she does, can step outside and shoot the three, like a step back threes for a six six center, that's pretty much unheard of. It's kind of insane.
2: I think she's like who Liz Cambage wishes she was, you know? <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> Liz Cambage always calls herself a big guard or whatever, every once in a while tries to take that three. That's like who John Jones actually is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and I mean TBOC do does too. have they have two more exhibition games before they head out to Tokyo too. So they got some more time to figure this out before the Olympics as well. Like I said, not content at all, but they do play I believe it's Australia on Friday and then Nigeria either Saturday or Sunday. So they've got kind of two more tune up games before the real thing. Australia probably their biggest competition in the Olympics, so that should be an interesting kind of exhibition game on Friday because outside of this game, I think that's their toughest game going into Tokyo and also their toughest game once they get to Tokyo, so that one should be interesting. I'm assuming Liz Cambage is expected to actually play in that game, so they'll get to match up with her before leaving for Tokyo, but also all those players in the front court are used to playing against Liz Cambage, which is probably a little bit of an of advantage for them compared to some of the other countries.
2: Yeah, it sounded like she was kind of just playing it cautious tonight, so hopefully she's ready to go for that. But, yeah, you know, honestly, even if they lost that sort of tune-up game against Australia, still not sure I'd be worried, unless it's, like, a beatdown or something. You know, like, on the men's side, same thing happened. Everyone's kind of freaking out. I'm not honestly sure if I'd be worried about the men either. It's just, like... I don't know. It's, just, it's the preseason, you know, to like to use the regular season analogy in American sports. And it doesn't really matter that much.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't have that worried about the them either. I think maybe a little bit more concerning there, but still nothing much to be worried about yeah. So of their exhibition games they're figuring things out like there's a reason that they're playing these games and it's not necessarily to win them by 25 points it's to figure out okay which lineup works the best together all the stuff that they need to figure out in camp with a bunch of players that haven't really spent much time at all on the court together so it's it's gonna take a little bit to get it all together i think especially on the men's side too the national teams have find hunt- Play together a bit more, so they have more experience, so I don't honestly think it's that surprising to see it kind of happen on the men's side, because you don't have all your stars necessarily, like, leaving from professional league right now and haven't joined camp, they've been in camp, so it's a little bit, I think, different situation where here, you know, when you look at a you team know, like Australia, they've got a bunch of players that'll probably be in their starting lineup that are from the WNBA, so they also haven't been in camp, so they're in a similar situation to Team USA, where the men's side is a little bit different.
2: Yeah, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, it's six players from Australia that are in the WNBA, so they can put a whole lineup out there. Is that? Am I right about that? I think so. I think that's right. It's definitely like five or six,
1: so they can definitely at least field a whole lineup from the WNBA.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure if there's any other team. Maybe Canada? Can Canada do, do that? They might be the only other team. I'm not even sure if they can. They might be close.
1: They, I think it's just... Kia Nurse, Bridget Carlton, and Natalie Atono, but she's injured, so I think they really just have two, right? So yeah, yeah, Australia definitely the toughest test. I mean, it'll be, they might put five WNBA players on the floor, but it's not going to be five WNBA All-Stars, so still, still an easier test than tonight.
2: Yeah, no so. question.
1: One thing from Team USA that I did find interesting tonight was that Aja Wilson did end up playing 17 minutes, but I feel like we didn't see a lot of her until the fourth quarter, like at one point in the fourth quarter, I think she'd only played 11 minutes so far in the game, which I did expect, thought was a little odd considering, you know, she's the writing MVP. You expect her to be a big part of this Olympic team going into these Olympics, so hopefully it's not indicative of any kind of injury where they're watching her minutes or anything. We have no information that says that, so I don't think it is, but just kind of an interesting lineup choice that we saw tonight and maybe it's because Don Staley's more familiar with her game she knows what she's going to get from Asia Wilson and wanted to see what she's going to get from other players but interesting thing to keep an eye on there going into some of these exhibition games.
2: Yeah well I was going to say it's definitely not about any sort of weird politics like people like to complain about because obviously <laughs> Don Staley knows what Asia Wilson can do and probably is a little bit biased towards Asia Wilson but uh, yeah it definitely could work the other way like you said in terms of experimenting with players that she hasn't been able to, uh, have, have as much experience coaching. And obviously she's spent so much time around Asia that she, you know, you know what you're going to get. Let's see what some of these other players can do for me. You know, she gave, uh, five, like I said, fouls and Tina Charles plenty of minutes off the bench kind of in that spot. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think Asia's fine, but, it, 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 even if she's not, you know like I'm not I wouldn't wish any ill on her or whatever, but I, I just, like, wouldn't be worried from the team standpoint. Uh, you know I think, I think any one of these players on this roster, they you know could get injured or I don't know just not play and I think they'd be fine. Um, but you, you never want that. so hopefully everything's all good.
1: Yeah, exactly. They've already got one and three players, so hopefully no more before Tokyo. The Diana Trossi did say, I think she wasn't going to play tonight, but she is expecting to play when she gets to Tokyo. So it sounds like, more than anything, just being cautious and not pushing it for games that don't count, which makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So yeah, Hopefully we'll see her in Tokyo. I'm sure we will. So. Five-time Olympic gold on the line for Super and Diana Trossi. Three-time gold for a lot of these players. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm, I'm excited. I think games start. I don't have how fun of me. Maybe Friday next week they play their first game. It's, it's coming up quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually excited. This is sort of off-topic, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited for all of the basketball in the Olympics, including the three-on-three. Um, this is the first year that you know they've had the three on three in the Olympics I think is pretty cool men didn't qualify but who cares you know women's basketball is better anyway so um I'm you know that that team the same team for USA that that qualified they decided to roll with them um with Kelsey Plum and Katie Samuelson Stephanie Dolson Alicia Gray I think that's gonna be fun to watch I might actually be more excited for that than I am for the five on five I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if that's weird or not, but it's new. It's cool. It's unique.
1: Yeah, I think it's the fact that it's new is different. I have not personally watched a lot of three-on-three basketball, so it's kind of just totally new in general to me. And then I think it's also somewhat of the, the predictability of the five-on-five games, right? Like, we kind of know that barring some kind of upset of the generation team USA is going to win gold and Australia is probably going to win silver. <laughs> so I think the three to three is it's new. It's exciting. You don't really know what to expect. You, I mean, I think USA is probably still the favorites to win it, but it's not so clear cut. So it's, it's a little bit more exciting just because it's unexpected.
2: It's also sort of like relatable. It feels like to me, because that like, most of us who played, you know, pickup or whatever have, like, played three-on-three. Three. Like, that's, it's if anything, like, more common, you know, when you're just playing at the park or whatever. And so it almost feels a little bit like, I don't know, we can, I, at least maybe it's just me, but, like, I can understand this, you know? Like, I've, I mean, I have played pickup five-on-five, five, but it, this is this makes sense to me, you know, like three on three. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know exactly what I'm saying, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's cool to, to see them, to see the Olympics kind of expand the game and grow the game in that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I also, I feel like I'm really excited to watch Team Canada for the five on five because of the college basketball connections. You've got Olivia Edwards from UConn playing and Leticia and me from South Carolina playing. So I've got two kind of Stuff, up-and-coming stars in NCAA basketball that you're going to get to see in action some
2: this summer, which is always exciting as well. Yeah, it was so fun to watch, you know, a bunch of college stars in the FIBA, America a month ago or whenever that was. Um, it's re- it's always fun to see, see those kind of, kind of players in, like, a different setting, you know? Like, we're obviously so used to them playing at uconn or nc state or whatever it is but it's them playing together we don't see it as much at um i guess in in the wnba players have these careers that are decade long and they play for two or three different teams and they have all sorts of teammates throughout their career you know like the Bonner. She plays for Phoenix. She plays with Taurasi and Griner. Now she's playing with John Quill Jones and, and I guess uh, last year, Alyssa Thomas, like you see all these players have all these different teammates, but in college, they are only there so briefly, um, you know, and it's not like you get to see them in a ton of different settings throughout their career. Maybe more so now with all the transfer stuff going on, but still it's not quite the same. So it's cool to see them in, in a different sort of unfamiliar setting, unfamiliar to us at least, I, I had a lot of fun watching the FIBA, so I'm looking forward to that, too. I'm with you for the Olympics.
1: Yeah, exactly. Think, like you said, there's just, you know, different players around them. You see them play. It changes a little bit, but it is similar cast of characters, kind of, for four years in college. So you get to see them play in a different – and I think it's – also, it's the same system, right? Like, if you're playing – if you stay at the same school, it's, you're playing – even if it's different players, it's the same system, where now you're playing in a completely different system. It's going to be coached differently. So they're going to have to play different roles, so you get to kind of see a little bit more of how their skill set adapts and what they can do. They're probably going to do some things that we haven't seen them do on the court in college, so excited to see that. And then, of course, also it's just, you know, obviously a huge experience for any player in college to get to go play in Olympic games against players like Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson and all these, like, big-time WNBA athletes that are, like, at this next level that they eventually hope to get to.
2: Yeah, it's got to be a little bit like taking the donut off the baseball bat, you know, when you go against some of these high level WNBA All-Stars, and then you come back to play in college, it's like, wow, we're these little kids, you know, I just play against some, like, 30 year old, you know, Hall of Famer, and now I'm coming back and playing, playing these 19 year olds. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's obviously great experience. Um, and it's also cool for us as fans add fuel to some of those debates like is this player ready is that player ready how would they do in the WNBA right now like the answer is always that they wouldn't be that good yet even though some people think that they would but like can they even hold their own you know like they're not going to be actually great but can they even like be on the same court you know like that and we get to see that we get to sort of settle that debate in between the lines that debate that some that we love to have the hypotheticals about so so that's exciting too
1: yeah, exactly. I think you learn about, a lot about where these players are in their off season too, right? Because, you know, like college players, they're kind of like, they stop playing in March or April, and then you don't see them until November, where this gives you a chance to see them on the court, too, and you can kind of see where some of the off season development has come. So, that'll be exciting as well. So, looking forward to that, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, one last piece of news dropped in the middle of the All-Star game today, which is odd timing but whatever um so FIBA announced that Neko Gumake's petition to play with the Nigerian national team was not approved Sine Gumake's petition was approved and she'll be their their one naturalized player so she'll be their one naturalized player and then their younger sister Erica Gumake who played at Rice in college and is now in med school so is fully approved so I mean prop to her because she's, like, a full-time med student and also going to go play in the Olympics, that's pretty insane. Um, but, so, NECA's was not approved, which I think is, like, kind of the thing that a lot of people were waiting on. They said it's because of her extensive USA basketball experience, I mean, I think that kind of makes sense, considering she has played in a in a World Cup with the Team USA, she was really kind of up until the wire part of this pool that was in consideration for the USA Olympic roster as well. I mean, I, I feel for NECA, I think it sucks, but I also kind of, you can understand why it wasn't approved, I think.
2: Yeah. And I I didn't catch if you already mentioned this or not, Elizabeth Williams didn't get approved either. Um, so, so basically two for four on that front, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't know. It seems kind of fair. Like I don't, no, I haven't like read all the details of the rules. I'll bet Richard Cohen has, so he could try speak on it. But uh, I, I don't, know, I don't have a problem with it. But at the same time, like you said, I wanted to see NECA in the Olympics. I mean, we talked about this on our last podcast. You know, she's 31. I think like her her Olympic window is sort of sort of closing. She's definitely gonna be past her prime by the time the next one rolls around. Obviously. She, didn't get to play in Team USA. It would have been great to still see her be able to take the court. Uh, just for her sake, like she's, we, we already mentioned it, like I said on our last podcast, one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player ever to not play in an Olympics. So sort of feels like she deserves it. Um, but that's not how the rules work. It's not just like, are you good? You know, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. So, But I, I am, on a different note, very excited to see Erica play again because I was a big fan of her game at Rice. It's a lot different from her sisters. Um, you know, she's she's a guard, but she's like an excellent rebounding guard. You know, but she can really like run the pick. In fact, her running the pick and roll with Cheney is like maybe probably excites me more than anything else. To be honest, it in the Olympics. Like I might tune in more for Nigeria than any other team for that reason. So that, I'm pretty pumped about that.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be really exciting, and obviously really exciting for the two of them to get to play together as sisters as well. So I think that now makes, like, two sister pairs playing in the Olympics. Well, not for the U.S., I guess, but for Nigeria for basketball, and then you have the assist for soccer on the USA team. So pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to feel for NECA but at the same time, I can also see it kind of being like a weird precedent, to set, for her to be like really in the running up to the like last minute for the USA team and then to be able to just jump ship and kind of go to a different national pool. I think there's a lot of players that maybe could be considered for that USA pool that make choices to play for different countries. And at some point, I think it'll feel like you have to draw the line. You can't have all these players like choosing to play at the USA pool, and then if you don't make it, just, like, go play somewhere else. I don't know that that's a fair way to run things. Not that that's what's happening now, but I do think it would be an interesting precedent set to say, like, okay, you played for the US in a World Cup, like, in a major tournament. We're probably, like, the last person that didn't make the roster when you chose to be on that pool, and then, okay, you're just going to go play somewhere else. I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely a weird situation. And it, like sucks because you're like okay, but NECA should be an Olympian, but it, it's the Olympics that's hard to make. You it's not you don't have to just be really talented. You have to be really talented at the right moment, and I feel like she just she just missed that right moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Although I do think you know if you fall within the rules, I should probably know what they are because I I would sound smarter talking about this. But if you fall within the rules in terms of. You know, like, if you are a dual citizen, for example, then, like, I actually do think that if you don't make your first choice roster, like, you should maybe be able to play with the second one, you know, but you have to fall, I don't know, they can't make exceptions on those kind of things. Like, you have to be able, if, if you fit the definitions for two countries, then I don't think sort of getting cut from the team, so to speak, like, not making the roster for one country should automatically disqualify you for playing for the other country, but you still have to fall under those guidelines from the start for both countries, um, right. which I apparently NECA wasn't. So uh, again, I really look those guidelines up. But um, yeah, I you know she's still got a shot. It's only three years instead of four till the next Olympics. So I don't know, she'll still be in the league for sure. She's definitely not gonna be washed up or anything like that. I've seen players like Sue Bird and play that play you know at that level for quite a long time so it's possible uh i'm rooting for for it to happen in uh 2024 um but yeah it is what it is now i guess
1: yeah exactly and i think i think the rule is that if you've played like in a major tournament for one country unless there's been like a change in your citizenship status you have to wait like i think it's three years to be eligible to play for another country i think that's what the rule is so she is like just shy of that three year mark, but had the Olympics been a normal year, she also would have been like way shy of that mark. So I feel like it kind of makes sense that they're not gonna waive that rule. I don't know. Like it's, I feel like it's hard to make exceptions, right? The rules are there for a reason. So like, how are you gonna make exceptions for one player that you have to start making exceptions for other, every player? It's it it's complicated very quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. Although to be clear, I'm very much not a rules are the rules person when it comes to some of the other rules that the Olympics are throwing out there that have not had anything to do with basketball. Um, but whether it's marijuana or, or, you know, like swim caps for black hair, like definitely not a rules are the rules person because some rules are just stupid. Yeah. However, I don't have a problem with this one as far as I know about it but I just felt like I should clarify that.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed. But yeah, I don't particularly have an issue with this one. I think it, it makes sense from a like perspective of like how you determine what country players you're going to play for. I also feel like it would kind of suck if you're like, – a lot of these national teams, right, the players aren't playing in the WNBA, so they're like committing a lot of time to training for the Nigerian basketball roster and to have someone kind of just – last minute step in and take your spot. I mean the best players get to go to the Olympics, that's how it is, but it would still like it would suck for someone else that would now be in like NECA's situation of like getting cut from a a roster that they were loyal to and spent a lot of time on.
2: True. And like just because we know NECA and we don't know this person's name like doesn't mean we should feel like I'm sorry to cut you off Megan.
1: No, I was just gonna say, like I think you can make the argument, like if she's eligible she's eligible and the best players go to the Olympics and that's what it is, which I think if you know she that if the rules like fell in such a way that she should be eligible, I think I would be fine with that, right? Like it's the Olympics, the best players get to go. That's what we talked about with Team USA like a few weeks ago. But I think to bend the rules and then kind of push someone out of that spot is is a hard, hard thing to do.
2: It's it's harsh, no doubt. It's definitely harsh.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it's a complicated situation, but. <laughs> I feel like if you like, a lot of people feel yeah. like NECA should have gotten the spot on Team USA because of her loyalty, so I don't like see how you can like be so out of it that NECA should get a spot on Team USA because of loyalty, but then be like, <laughs> just push out the Nigerian player that she would push out. <laughs> like, it's the same situation that you would be doing. <laughs> or actually, like, um, in this case, it's a, I don't even know that it's the same situation because you'd be changing a rule to then do that. So I feel like it's even worse situation than what would
2: happen to NECA. Yeah, loyalty has to go both ways. It's yep. <laughs> it's not just the Olympics where people don't uh, aren't always on board with that concept. Um, I think just in general, professional sports <laughs> player loyalty gets uh, much more attention than team loyalty. But <laughs> it, yeah, that's definitely a good point, though. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. No, NECA in the Olympics. I do think she might be appealing. I saw that Elizabeth Williams was appealing. I'm guessing is probably appealing too, so maybe it's the end of this whole debate. We'll see what happens, I guess, but I would have to imagine that I have to make a decision pretty quickly, considering everyone needs to be able to play to Tokyo in less than a week.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I see them winning the appeal. Again, I have no idea how the process works, so I don't even know what I'm talking about, but like, why not, though? I don't know if you have anything to lose by appealing. You know, if you want it,
1: go for it. Yeah, exactly. So, we'll see what happens. But it seems like at least we will see probably a couple of case in in Tokyo with the Nigerian team, maybe. Not all three, most likely, but probably two. So, that'll be exciting to watch.
2: Two is better than zero.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so.
2: The more, the better. Exactly. We all need as many as we can as many as we can dig. You know, just sign me up.
1: Yeah, there too. <laughs> all, <four. laughs> yeah. all right.
2: Well,
1: that's all for today. Thanks for joining me, Calvin.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Megan. I appreciate it.
1: Well, that's all for today's episode. Make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Also, make sure you check out the stat site, herhoopstats.com, for all your WNBA stat needs, as well as your NCAA stats as that season starts to approach. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all social media platforms at herhoopstats, and subscribe to our free Substacks newsletter. Thanks again for listening.